Hey folks, and welcome back to another episode of Get Wrecked, the only podcast anywhere in the world where two buds take turns recommending and reviewing some of their favorite pop culture hits, hidden gems, and oddities. I'm of course your host and resident silly boy Thor, joined today as always by my friend and co-host. Drove with Chevy to the levee, but the levee was dry. It's Micah. <laughs> I, um, I, that's one of those songs where I prefer the Weird Al version. I feel that way about any song Weird Al's has done. I do too. Basically. He, uh, it, in fact, he kind of gets me a little bit upset because he makes me like actual songs that I wouldn't like normally. <laughs> so, I can see that. Uh, um, Miley Cyrus's Party in the USA song. I actually like that song. And it's only because of Weird Al. I've never heard the Weird Al version. Oh, but I bet I'd like that song. So it's great. Yeah, like it. it's Party in the CIA. And it's basically people in the CIA flexing about how much better the CIA is than the FBI. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> That's basically all it is. Then that song Royals by Lord, I think. Or yeah, Lordy. of course. I love that album. Yeah. yeah. So Weird Al does a version called Aluminum Foil. And it's just about a crazy man. Yep. It's about a crazy man who uses aluminum foil. (laughs) So he goes from, um, you know, packaging your food to keep it nice and fresh to the Illuminati. That's yeah. yeah. That's where we're on your head to Mm -hmm. keep uh, your thoughts from being penetrated. Exactly. Yeah. That's the only thing I use aluminum. That album. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> that album is actually amazing. It's called Mandatory Fun. I don't know if you've heard that one. I think it's his last full-length album. Oh, at first album. I thought you were talking about Lord's album. Oh, no. That, that I, I don't know. It might on. be. It might be amazing, but I haven't I haven't heard it. You haven't heard that? Not that album. I know that song. Just the song from Yeah, just that oh, song. Oh, my goodness. But not the whole oh, album. Hold on. I got to put that on the list. Oh, all right. It, that's it's one a of good those. one. Kendra bought that CD. Yeah. And my, my wife, I mean, she likes a lot of pop music. And when we first started dating, I was, you know, I was so arrogant, like, oh, pop music is so dumb. And I was so much better. I like real music. I like blues music and punk rock. And I like real artistry. Pop music can suck it. Sure. Right. Yep. And I have to give her credit. She opened me up like to a lot of music that I otherwise wouldn't have listened to. I could probably say the same about Ashley. 303. Yeah, yeah, three three is great. Yeah, that album weirdly is enough awesome. There, I think it was their first album, uh-huh. uh, but it had the big hits on it. Kesha, Kesha's, you know, weirdly enough, her CD that she made after she was in that big lawsuit thing with her producer, mm-hmm. that album was. I haven't heard all of it, but Ashley listens to it in the car every now and then, and whenever I hear it, it's uh, it's pretty awesome. Weirdly. Weirdly, I like it. And she does a song with the Struts. I don't know if you know who they are, but the Struts is like this British rock band. The dude's got a perfect British rock voice. The name sounds familiar. I don't they know. Their big hit was, um, it was a song called It's Gonna Be Me. I think you're thinking the uh, NSYNC. No, <laughs> no, that's It's Gonna Be May. Um <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I can't sing the way that that guy sings, so I'm just going to have to let... You know what? I'm going to let you hear it real quick. Okay. I'm going to let you hear it. Oh, fuck. No, I'm not, because the speakers aren't set up on this. Okay, don't worry. I'll I'll let you hear it later. later. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, If you haven't heard it, though, 
that that might be going on on the list because yeah, that, the list, that yeah. album that first album is great their second album is good too and they have uh kesha joining them for a song okay cool so anyway uh yeah, yeah i would agree with you the wives have expanded my repertoire of music as well yeah for sure and i felt like it was pretty vast to begin with so yeah she gave me she just opened me up to be like okay not all pop music is terrible sure yeah which when i was 19 i would have told you no it's all terrible it all stinks but it doesn't yeah i a lot of it does i still stand by most of it does i would agree with that see for me i would consider ben folds pop music and i've always kind of considered ben folds pop music but a certain style of pop music. Yeah, it's not like top 100. Right. So so Ben Folds made me realize, oh, pop music can be good. But I will say that Ashley opened that up even more in okay. saying that like, yeah. there's actual radio-friendly stuff that doesn't have to be awful. Most of it is, but not all of it has to be. Yeah. Dude, speaking of something that's not awful... Uh, dude, uh, so I got another reality recommendation. For oh, jeez. Okay. Okay. And this one is not like a bingeable. You just need to watch one or two episodes, and I mean, you'll get the full scope of what it is. Okay. So you may have heard a little bit of talk about this thing. I don't know. Okay. It's a show. It was recently added to HBO Max, and it is a British show. It is called Naked Attraction. Okay. Let me tell you the premise of the show. So okay. it's one person. Uh, it'll a guy or a girl will be the contestant at the time. So they walk into a room and there's six, they're like boxes with like the, uh, like paper over the front of them. So you can just see the silhouette behind them. Okay. And it happens in a couple of stages. So they got six to choose from. There's six people, potential mates. Mm -hmm. And the first thing they say, okay, let's raise it up. Let's look at the bottom. So the sheet raises up. And then you just get to see their genitals. So you get to see a dick or a vagina and they'll spin around. You get to see the butt. That's the first thing they look at. And then based on looking at it, yeah, they eliminate a person. And they're like, okay, step two, it raises up more. Now you get to see the chest. So if it's girls, you get to see their boobs. If it's a guy, you get to see like their pecs and their torso. Once again, somebody gets eliminated. Mm-hmm. The next one raises up and now you get to see the face. You get to see him fully naked and none of it is blurred out. It is just full frontal nudity is what you're looking at. Of course, yeah, because <laughs> it's, it's on HBO. And it's in England, and it's European, so it's a lot of uncircumcised penises. Just, uh, <laughs> just, and uh, not a lot, all of them. All 100% of them. uncircumcised. Fun. <laughs> My brand, right there. <laughs> and, um, uh, so then they get to look at their face, they eliminate somebody. Then they get to hear their voice, and they eliminate one more person. Now they're left with two people to choose from. At this point, the contestant themselves goes, leaves the room, comes back. Now they're fully naked. And so that they, you know, and then they kind of chat a bit with the two people and make their decision. Okay. And when I say chat, it's just like a small, like the guys, the guys or the girls, whoever the people, the two people left. Mm-hmm. Now they get to judge that person's body. They'll ask them, what do you like most about her body? What do you like least about her body? And it's it's such an interesting concept of a show is like, like because sexual attraction is such an important part of a relationship. And so you're, you're starting with that part first, like there's no surprises, but it is a, it's a wild concept and it's just, 
it's interesting. You don't need to watch a lot of episodes. We watched two and I was like, I think I've seen enough. Sure. Picks. You get the gist of the show. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and it also does this thing where it almost weirdly does the opposite of sexualizing people's bodies. Almost where it, it almost like desensitizes you to it. Hmm. It's a fascinating show, but it's worth a watch. Just watch one or two episodes. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> it's very, it's interesting. Uh, I'm, Maybe, maybe. Yeah, I don't know, man. That's, um, I don't know if I want to see that much nudity. I just don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. We'll see. You know what? I'll ask, I'll ask my wife. Be like, what do you think? I'll let her make, make the decision. She's not going to want to watch that. That's a cop out. <laughs> That's not really a decision then. That's true. Just say you don't want to watch it. That's okay. Uh, I don't know if I Dude. It's just, a, and that's fine if you don't. It's yeah. just, it is an interesting concept for a show. I think it's worth a watch of one episode. Of one episode? Okay. Yeah. I could give it one episode. That I think I could do. The last recommend, well, well, not recommend. Just be aware you're gonna see dicks. Okay, fair. Yep, noted. But you'll get to see some vaginas too. Oh, good. And boobs, yeah. Also good. Yeah. Sounds like art school. That's what it does. That sounds like art oh, school. Oh, yeah, you're probably pretty comfortable. That's what I was saying. Like it almost like unsexualizes sure. it. I feel like watching it, mm-hmm. where I was like, nothing about it did I watch and be like, oh, I'm like this is like arousing or or uh, like sensual to me. It's yeah. almost because they're just standing there like naked. I think it almost it's like this like subversive subversive thing where it's like just looking at the naked bodies kind of like takes away the like mystique of it. I could see that. Yeah. How do you feel about atomic explosions? Is that sensual? Atomic explosions? Yeah. They're cap. Cap. <laughs> cap. Uh, good, because we're going to talk about some fun things blowing up. Destruction on an unparalleled scale. It's practically the same like thing. Like an almost under... Un- like non-understandable scale. Yeah, let's talk about it. <laughs> right. Hey, folks, make sure to stay up to date on all the latest episodes by following us at Get Wrecked Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. Or if you have any recommendations you'd like to hear us review on the show, you can contact us directly via email. Or, I don't know, maybe you just want to send us some feet pics. You creep. I don't know what you're into. I don't care. We'll review those too. What do you think of that, huh? In any case, all your requests, feedback, and general criticism of the straight white patriarchy can be sent to getrectpod at gmail.com. That's G-I-T-R-E-C-D-P-O-D at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. All right, folks. So we are getting into the 1988 animated film, Akira. That's my latest recommendation to Thor. Thor, this might be a gummo experience for me. This this might be a, a situation where I may have misstepped in in recommending this to you. Because when we started, or when this movie started, as I rewatched it, there's a lot about this film that I don't remember seeing. But at the same time, I freaking love the first probably hour of this film. Okay. Um, and so as I'm watching this, I'm like, Thor's gotta love this. It's like a steampunk anime 
type of thing. I know that he's uh-huh. not into anime, but he's, he's kind of into steampunk. Yeah. The animation process of this, and we'll get into the animation, is insane. I kind of figured that was what drew you to this. Sure. Because once again, I know I'm familiar with the name Akira. I know it holds like an important part in anime history. Yeah, it absolutely does. So I was aware of that. Watching it, what I immediately kind of figured you loved about it was the animation. Yeah, the animation in this is... So how is it like Gummo, though? Because around an hour into this film, things started getting a little bit anime. And then they got more anime. (laughs) Got really anime? Got really anime. (laughs) And so as this was happening, I was thinking, oh, this might have been a mistake. This might have been a mistake to give to Thor. Because I didn't remember building size Tetsuo being beamed up into the sky with light orb Akira turning into an omnipresent god of time and space. Yeah. I didn't remember that. And turning into a weird, like, slime ooze yes. monster I, thing with many, many fingers. So many fingers. Many Just fingers. So many fingers. <laughs> and I remembered, and this is like the rose-tinted glasses looking over this, the motorcycle chase scenes that happen near the the beginning of the film. Sure. Yeah. The amazing cityscapes and just everything happening in the background of the scenes as well. Just so much beauty in that. And I thought, honestly, that the storyline, it's kind of weird, but it's also fairly interesting. It's You've got this character named Tetsuo who basically just gets abducted. He's a teenage boy. He gets abducted by the government. They start running experiments on him, and he gets superpowers. It's kind of a, you know, it's a classic tale. It's a classic tale of a boy and his superpowers. Yeah, and who you think is going to be the protagonist, and turns out he's actually, like, the villain. Yeah. It's an interesting turn, sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and you feel like at the beginning of the film that, that Kaneda, or Kaneda, or Kaneda, or Kaneda, you know who I'm talking about. Yeah, it sounds is, like a drunk guy trying to say Canada. Yeah. You Canada. Think, you think that he's going to be the like the powerhouse of the of the film, and he's really not. Like all of the icon uh, iconography, all of the imagery is him and his bike, his red suit and his red bike. Whenever you see anything of Akira, that's what it posts on. Okay, yeah, and it makes you feel like Kaneda is, I don't know, more impactful to this movie than he actually is, and he's not really doing a ton in this he's he's the character that we're learning through things through he's the leader of this biker gang but at the same time shit just starts happening that's so over his head that there's nothing for him to do about it (laughs) yeah he's useless (laughs) as shit through most actually i kind of really love his character yeah because he is He's supposed to be like the leader and the tough guy. Mm-hmm. And the whole time, like every step of the way, he just get keeps getting proven that he's not tough and that he has no idea what's happening. Sure. And he's in way over his head. He's so, yeah. And I guess he really is like the protagonist of the story. Yeah. Yeah, he and, really is. And I like kind of a turn where it's like the protagonist isn't really the hero. I mean, he kind of is in the sense that he inspires the people around him. Sure. But he himself is not a hero. He himself does not stop the big bad guy. He's helpless in that. Yeah. Yeah, he really is. Um, so so this movie, 
I don't I don't know if you caught what I said at the beginning of this, but this movie was made in 1988. Mm-hmm. Right? This film is older than you, Thor, and it might even be older than me. Um, I was born in. Well, 88. if it came out in '88, it was probably '87, '86 sure, that it's getting made. Yeah. You know? So yeah, the release date was in July 16th, 1988. So I was just born. Um, it was directed by a guy named Katsuhiro Otomo. Of course, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so he did the screenplay. He also wrote the manga that this was based off of. Okay. And so interesting fact about it is this manga basically hit the shelves. It wasn't complete yet, and it exploded in popularity. And then they decided to make an anime. The anime, he kind of finished the story of of this whole thing so that he could finish the anime. The anime kind of got done before the actual manga did. Wow, okay. And so he then wrote the wrote the it was like a six-part manga. So it wasn't like this massive long thing like Dragon Ball or One Piece or something like that. But it was kind of a limited run. Um so he finished the anime, I think, before he actually finished the manga. He kind of had to. It was like a Game of Thrones situation. Oh, that's pretty wild. That's cool. Yeah. So with that being said, Thor, let's get your let's get your initial thoughts here. How do we feel about Akira? I've given you anime once before. It was Cowboy Bebop. I thought you should get a classic this time around. Okay. Yeah, um the story is wildly hard to understand. I, yeah, my I would biggest, agree. I'm going to start with my biggest criticism of it is like it's really hard to know exactly what's going on through most of it. And then even once you get the conclusion, it's still hard to really like, I'm still not sure I know exactly what I saw happening. Yeah. Um, I'm so that would be my biggest criticism of it. As far as like animation wise, it's fucking incredible. Like dude, the biggest, the biggest thing that sticks out for me is the trails of the lights yeah when the motorcycles are racing you get those trails Mm -hmm. and that's right at the beginning i'm like oh this is cool yeah the big giant goo monster with so many so many weird fingers and things it's (laughs) very that's very neat very cool um so story-wise i really enjoyed the story actually although i feel like the whole time i felt like i was a step behind okay it it kind of makes me want to watch it again immediately because the whole time I was watching it, I felt like I was a step behind because it's one of those where the story is you're learning the story as it unfolds and you're kind of piecing together exactly what's happening. Sure. It's not spoon fed to you exactly what is going on. Yeah. And there's nothing really telegraphed narratively. You're just kind of seeing things happen and then piecing it together. Yeah, And picking up context clues of like, Oh, I think I know what's happening. Yeah. There's, there's no thing where like, we've got to get this item and get it to the ship. And so, yeah. Yeah. So story wise, I kind of enjoyed it. The characters, I mean, they're kind of, standard anime characters they're pretty (laughs) one-dimensional like uh but that's that's anime i'm not uh, like not a criticism of that but yeah yeah animation wise uh i really enjoyed it and the story is very very japanese yes yeah (laughs) very very japanese uh so i I liked it though i thought it was pretty cool okay all right good because literally i was like thor doesn't like this coming into this episode i'm like i don't think this is for thor <laughs> it was a mistake to to ask you to watch this um because really i 
at the beginning, I was like, I think Thor's going to like this. And then about a halfway mark, like halfway through, is when uh, the character Tetsuo basically gets picked up, gets taken to a research facility of some kind, and wakes up. And that's when the paranormal type of things start happening, or the supernatural yeah. stuff starts happening. Um, and I knew that all that happened, but I just, I forgot how weird it got. Yeah, it gets very weird. Yeah. I'm kind of into that shit, though. Honestly, oh. you, what this reminded me a lot of was Eon Flux. Okay. Sure. Yeah, I can so, see that. I can see some uh, of that. Animation-wise, I feel like it has a similar animation style. Yeah. Um, And that that same thing of where it's, like, vaguely futuristic. Sure. Well, it's definitely futuristic, because, I mean, at that point, it was made in the 80s, so it's, like, 30 years in the future. Yeah, it was set so, in 2019. Yeah, so it's, and I mean, you remember back in 2019, and when Neo Tokyo almost got destroyed by some weird ooze monster? Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So it, it gave me Dangerous a lot times. of Eon Flux vibes, which I liked, because Eon Flux does the very similar thing where it never really tells you what's going on. It kind of gives you the crumbs to draw your own conclusions of exactly what is happening. I do remember feeling that exact way about Ian Flux. Like, I just was almost able to figure it out through the entire episodes exactly. that we watched. And that's how I felt about this. Okay. So I, so I actually kind of appreciate that. Okay. Yeah, yeah I, I can see that. Well, good. I'm glad that... Um, I'm glad that you didn't come in here and be like, Michael, what the fuck did you just make me watch? I was fully expecting that. No, no, it was fine. Okay. Yeah. Because as I was watching it... I'm thinking, Micah, what the fuck did you just make Thor watch? <laughs> no, I don't get <laughs> having that having that um that mindset of my own. Now, if this was stretched across like multiple episodes, it was like a twenty episode series of anime, yeah. I may feel that way. Sure. Because I do feel like also, and I think this is a kind of a, a criticism of older styles of anime. And once again, I'm not super knowledgeable, so maybe it still is a thing they do but it's just really slow paced i i would definitely agree with that i found it lagging or dragging at about like the hour and a half mark mm -hmm. i i was kind of again watching it this week i was kind of ready for it to be done at about an hour and a half yeah seems. and and i just was like why why isn't it done like i get i get it it's beautiful the animation is so amazing but the story just was kind of dragging at that point for me. Um, but that doesn't change how I feel about this film at all. I love this film. One of the main things that I love about it is that this was this came out the same year that Oliver and Company came out. What is Oliver and Company? I know the name. Uh, Oliver and Company's. It's the dis. It was in the uh, during the Disney Dirty Years, as I like to call them. It was when <laughs> Disney had no money or very little money. And all of their films have a certain scratchy, sketchy type of aesthetic. Okay. Um, so 101 Dalmatians falls into that. The Robin Hood movie falls into that. Aristocats. That kind of feeling where it felt more like pencil drawings. Exactly. Sword, uh, Sword in the Stone. Yep. Sword in the Stone. Um, so that's when Disney didn't have a ton of money. And they figured out a way to Xerox uh, pencil drawings onto the cells that they would use for animation. The cells being like the, just the clear plastic that they paint on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, Oliver and Company was one of those, and it was about a tiny little orange tabby 
who has a family, but lives in Brooklyn, gets lost in Brooklyn, meets some uh, some street ruffian animals. He meets animals. street cats, right? Uh, dogs, but yeah. He meets street dogs. I know I've seen this, and it all sounds familiar. I can't see it in my head, though. It was probably one of those that just never I never really cared about. Sure. Yeah, so for me, I liked Oliver and Company a lot, primarily because it takes place in Brooklyn, and Billy Joel plays one of the main characters. Oh, right on. Yeah, his name is Dodger. Get it? Um, and so he has... I don't get it, but... Okay. Brooklyn Dodgers. The oh, ba- okay. The baseball okay. Team. I thought yeah. I thought you meant it was a reference to Billy Joel. Oh like, no, no, no. <laughs> I don't know. The, I don't know his song Dodger. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, but but he's got a song in that movie that is amazing because it's Billy Joel. Of course, and yeah. he has no right to do a Disney song the way that he did. It was amazing. <laughs> um, but the only reason that I bring that up also, 1989 is when Little Mermaid came out. Okay, just to give you a time sync. Like so, while we in America. We're really focusing on, oh, animation, Disney's peak animation, right? It's the stuff for kids. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In Japan, they're making this. And I would argue that the quality of this film is so much higher than the Disney Dirty Years. Um, Oliver and Company is like on the tail end of that because then Disney's kind of renaissance, I think, starts with Little Mermaid. Sure, yeah, because you get Little Mermaid and then Lion King and Aladdin. Yeah, and Beauty and the Beast. uh Like, all of those are much higher production production things where they really pumped up their animation. But the content that they were doing was admittedly geared towards a younger audience because adults at the time weren't really into... Like, I mean, if you got kids, you go to the theater to take them to see Little Mermaid. But is that something that a lot of adults would be interested in at that time? Now, yeah. But then, not so much. No, yeah, no. Animation was just for kids stuff. It, you know, uh, really, what changed that was The Simpsons. I think that that was a big part of it. Yeah, that was, that was a a huge part of that. And then uh, MTV with uh, Liquid Television. That's where you got Aeon Flux and Daria. Sure. And, yep. Yeah, the, and that wasn't until of, like the nineties, right? Yeah. Yeah, that era. So uh, Akira was. The first anime that broke into Western audiences. Okay. Like, like, this was the film that showed people what's up. Like, oh, shit, these people in Japan are doing some wild, crazy stuff. Sure, yeah. With animation. Um, and it's, this film has kind of a notorious, a notorious... Um, the director was notorious for being super detail-oriented. This was also the first film in Japan where they recorded the lines first all of the voice acting first and then gave it to the animators so that they could lip sync it perfectly oh wow that's cool yeah so it was all hand-drawn too like this was all way before oh yeah you can tell it's all hand-drawn so that actually watching it i'm like how fucking long did it take to animate this thing forever because it's beautiful yeah so it's absolutely beautiful so they're animating on 24 frames per second which is given a really nice smooth feel Mm -hmm. and then i think that we've talked about animating on ones and twos before have i mentioned that to you yes yeah yeah so a lot of this movie like most of the movie is animating on ones which is why so for every single frame it's a new drawing and it's 24 frames a second so there's 24 drawings every second this is a two-hour long film (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's a lot. No, I even specifically took note of it mm-hmm. during where it really shines and it's fucking wild is the scenes where he is like 
making the earth collapse. Yeah. And he's blowing up buildings. Like near the end? Yeah, because you can see, like you can watch it happen. Mm -hmm. Like you can watch like how quickly these like explosions or the earth caving in on itself changes. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I specifically took note of that where that's where I was like, how long did this fucking take? Yeah. Because it's detail oriented is like an understatement. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It um, it really brought anime into into the States. Like this was the thing shortly followed up by Ghost in the Shell. I don't know if you've heard of Ghost in the Shell, but that's another. I've heard of it. They made that into a like a live action movie. They like sure did. 10, yep. 15 years ago. Right? It wasn't very good. With right? Scarlett Johansson playing yep. the main character. Yeah. You know, the like one of the pivotal animes of all time. Let's get Scarlett Johansson to be the protagonist. Don't don't start shitting on ScarJo, my friend. She can do everything. She can do anything. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I don't know. Um, I just, she could do most things. I would agree. I would say most things. I don't think, I don't think that Ghost in the Shell was for her. I also don't think that, what was that movie where she became a, just a sentient AI thing? Lucy. Lucy. Yeah. Yeah. You hate that movie. Oh, it was so bad. (laughs) But I don't think that's her. I think that's just the movie. So because this thing was so iconic and was brought into the States, it's actually been referenced a lot in, um, in different movies. So, Thor, I don't know if you've heard of this thing. It's pretty fun. It's called ChatGPT. It's a pretty amazing thing. I just went ahead and asked it some questions. It's an AI bot that just kind of gives me some info. You can have some some fun interactions with it. Um, So, I just asked it. I was like, hey, ChatGPT, what movies reference the Akira motorcycle slide? So, there's a scene near the beginning of the film where Akira and... I'm sorry... Not Akira, Kanada, and his biker gang are chasing down another biker gang in Neo Tokyo, just called the Clowns. Yeah, it that and actually the whole gang scene kind of gave me a uh, like Clockwork Orange vibe, yeah. where it's just these roaming gangs of teen. They're in high school, yeah. just like once again, like in Clockwork Orange, <laughs> it's these roving gangs, but they're also just high school students. Yeah, they're just told that they're fifteen years old. I think that you find that out like later. So yeah. You, yeah. It's kind of, as soon as they say that they're 15 years old, I'm like, what are these kids doing with motorcycles? <laughs> that especially, they stole. Yeah, especially this massive, like, super futuristic motorcycle. It looks like a Tron bike. Well, you remember back in 2019 when all the kids were riding on their That's true. super yeah. massive cyber motorcycles? I forgot about that, yeah. <sighs> yep, I lost mine. Oh, well. It was stolen by a 15-year-old. <laughs> yeah, of course. There were so many <laughs> roving gangs of 15-year-olds. Um, so, so there's a scene where he plays chicken, Canada, the, uh, the leader of this gang plays chicken with one of the other people. And visually it's awesome. Cause you see the bikes line up on the double yellow line and they go past each other. The clown wrecks and then, uh, Canada kind of slides the motorcycle to a stop. And that slide has been referenced a number of times. It was brought into the Matrix. Um, it's where... So Trinity does it with her motorcycle. Mm-hmm. Same exact framing, cinematography, and everything. So they do it in the Matrix. They do it in... Did you see the movie Kung Fury? I I don't remember. It was it a really cheesy film. I don't blame you if you didn't see it. Um, but they also did it in Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. They also did it in Ready Player One. They also did it in The, Mo- in the Amazing Spider-Man. Okay, right on. Like, 
they just keep calling back to this Akira slide. Um, so, well, I get it because you have to imagine how many filmmakers or creatives in general has this thing inspired. You know, yeah, it's just it's wild. So the animation is the big thing in this for me. Um, I'm just amazed. They said that sometimes there would be as many as like 27 cells on on the screen at one time. Because if you look at the background, if you rewatch this, if you decide to, you should really take a look at the background stuff. Oh, yeah. No, the cityscapes are insane. Yeah, but but the cityscapes are also like weirdly following perspective mm-hmm. as well. So it's drawn in a way where you can you can see perspective. Again, thinking about animation that Disney was doing, you've got your flat paintings in the background. And then you've got your cell animation of the characters and the things that move. But the background moves in Akira. Like as it's panning across buildings, the windows are moving in perspective. Yeah, the perspective changes and they do like highlights on them. It's it's, it's fucking nuts. Wild, the amount of detail that goes on. And um, you just, it's one of those things where if you watch it again and again, you'll just catch more and more and more stuff. So thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, Was there any like visuals that jumped out to you? Um, specifically the, some of those cityscapes, like I said, not only they pan and the perspective changes, yeah. but then like the light on the glass of the windows on the cityscape. Oh yeah. 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 Looks like it's reflective. Yeah. I really like towards the end mm-hmm. once, uh, what's the bad guy, the good guy who becomes a bad guy. Tetsuo. Tetsuo. Mm-hmm. Once he starts kind of going wild and just, you know, collapsing all the earth around him, all <laughs> sure. those scenes are nuts. The buildings exploding, the lightning shooting off of him. Yeah. Like, it's just insane how much detail they got into it and how good it looks for being hand-drawn. Yeah. Wild. I, I would agree. That, And then obviously the big... Once he turns into the big, scary, weird ooze like, Cronenberg sure. monster like thing, flesh fucking, and scrap metal, yeah, and debris so monster, strange and unsettling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But super oh, immaculate and the, in, its, in its detail. Probably the most striking thing, though, mm-hmm. is the scene where he's first starting. He's in the hospital cell and hospital room. It's kind of like a prison cell, though. Mm-hmm. And the three kids that are. They're somehow, they're children, but they're also elderly at the same time. The yeah. three elderly children mm-hmm. uh, are, like, communicating with him through, like, psychedelic dreams. Sure. And the big, they become, like, a big teddy bear. Like, it's all this oh, crap yeah, yeah. from the room kind of coalesces into a giant teddy bear and a yeah. giant bunny. And then they're, like, dripping this milk, this, like, milk, it's dark and you just see really see their eyes and kind of the highlights of their figures and then the glistening milk on them. Yeah. Fucking weird. Burn yeah. into my brain. <laughs> yeah. Like it's it's kind of creepy. Um but drawn just so incredibly. It's so so wild. That's probably my most memorable visual. Yeah. Is the creepy giant teddy bear dripping milk. Yeah, you know what's funny is I didn't remember that one. Um, again, watching this, I was like, oh man, that after watching it, I'm like, oh yeah, that thing, it was very, very well done images that jump out to me is, and I thought that you were going towards this, but when Tetsuo kind of breaks out of his room 
and people are like, hey, this patient's out of their room and they go to get him back in. And it's this is like right at that one hour part because the first whole hour is basically the biker gang situation. Yeah, it's nothing. Yeah, it's right? just slow build up. Yeah. Yeah. So this is when he starts to get his powers and there's just a flash. You, it kind of pans out and it's a flash that you see in the hallway. And then you just see a silhouette of, of Tetsuo, but the people are gone. And then you see an arm from the ceiling just slowly fall because it's it's kind of attached to the ceiling by by like viscera. Yeah. And then it just drops. Visually, that sticks with me. Oh, I, I know exactly what scene you're talking about. I don't recall this the arm falling. Yeah. That is a cool scene though, because it almost like because his power like knocks the lights out. So it's almost this like you have light and then it goes dark and then it has light and the scene looks different. Mm-hmm. Really yeah. cool. Yeah, really cool scene. I don't recall the arm falling oh, from dude. the ceiling. Yeah, because it's like a slow, like it, it kind of, they did it slow like it was stuck. Yeah. Like the stickiness uh, is what they were getting across and then it just drops after it, like the gravity finally takes a hold. Um, how did you feel about the gore in this? Because... Oh, yeah, that took me off guard. I wasn't ready for that. It's really graphic. Yeah, it is. They are not afraid to smash people's heads and shoot people with guns. Yeah. Uh, show a girl getting her clothes ripped off and, like, guys getting super rapey with her. Like, Yeah, again, kind of forgot about that part until, like, one <laughs> second before it happened. I was like, oh, happened. hey, anime boobs. Cool. <laughs> well, but also, she's probably, like, 15 yeah. in that scene. Honestly, dude, this is like the anime Clockwork Orange. I could see that. So much about this is reminiscent of Clockwork Orange. Yeah. Maybe I like this type of stuff if it's animated. Maybe it lets me appreciate yeah, it more. I, well, I mean, in dealing with very different concepts, too. Yeah. But, but I, <laughs> I, I see a lot of similarities. Yeah. They, there was a lot of um, There was a lot of context on the atomic bomb. In this, just because, so there's the explosion at the beginning of the film. Yeah, but it's not an atomic bomb. Though. No, it's Akira. Yeah. Um, but there's a there's a lot of parallels that I think that the writer is addressing through the power of these people. Yeah, for sure. And, like this ultimate uh, world destroying power. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And then Akira ends, I'm sorry, I keep saying Akira. And then Tetsuo eventually gets to that point Mm -hmm. where he just becomes this god, essentially. Yeah. Like near the end. Yeah, I like, I kind of like that concept of like, I don't don't know how much it makes, once again, I don't think it makes a lot of sense, but they're like, even an amoeba has, what does an amoeba do? It just devours and eats and it has all the power of time and all the knowledge of time from the Big Bang in it. And I'm like, well, I don't, think that's how science works but <laughs> but i did think it was a neat concept that they're like everybody has this power inside of them the power of like the big bang itself yeah you know the beginning of time it's within everybody and then these kids or tetsuo he specifically once it's awakened it's like they don't even know how to control it i thought it was a neat concept yeah. it was a little bit confusing and i don't know Felt like it was jerking itself off a little bit. Probably, but, yeah. <laughs> Thought that it was sounding smarter but, than it but was. But it was certainly a a neat concept I had never heard before. Sure. Yeah. Um, I So with that scene and, and with that kind of dialogue, I was thinking that basically they were saying 
that the amoeba, if it were to get that power, is still going to be an amoeba, just now it's more powerful. And now, because it's more powerful, it can eat and consume more. Okay, that makes sense. And so we are the same as that amoeba, because we as people are naturally driven to destruction of some kind. Sure. But now that we are more powerful, we are going to be naturally driven to bigger or destruction on a grander scale. Okay, that makes sense. That's kind of the the scope that I got out of it. Okay. I don't know if that's what she was trying to say, but that's what I that's what I heard. Yeah, that whole dialogue piece where they're kind of explaining cuz that's the only part where you really get an explanation of exactly what is happening to him. Yeah. And it's not clear. It's not just laid out for you. Yeah. How um does has this movie changed your perception of anime at all? Not really, no. Not really. No, because I I enjoyed this. Okay, but also I could watch another anime and I'd hate it. Yeah, like I'm always I'm always very hit or miss on anime. I you know truthfully I am too. The things I like about them, this does really well. Uh, really great animation. Uh, like really adult themed gore. Mm-hmm. Like not afraid to explode heads and yeah and just so annihilate people. Bullets. Like I kind of dig that in animation yeah um and like a just far out story that is not because a lot of what western media does is we just cannibalize and tell the same stories over and over and over again yeah so i love when i actually like that's what i meant when i said it's like a very japanese story yeah for whatever reason they come up with these like concepts that are just off the wall that you would never think of like they don't even really make sense yeah, well, I mean, yeah. I, <laughs> again, so, again, I'm watching this so, film. But I like that because it's like, it's not just the, fu- you know what I mean? Like the Lion King is just Macbeth. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or one of those, some Shakespearean story that's been retold a million times. Yeah, again and again. Um, What about, so so watching it, I, I agree with you. It's, maybe it's a thing where you, you don't know where it's going to go, right? It's not predictable. At the start of this film, I don't think that you expected Tetsuo to be this giant amorphous blob consuming reality. Nope. Yeah, well, didn't right? see that coming. Like, we weren't we weren't there. And that's something that with a lot of American cinema, we just kind of know where the film's going. Yeah, absolutely. Most movies, I can watch a trailer and I'm like, I don't ever want to see the movie because I can tell you everything that's going to happen in it. Sure. Yeah, because you've watched the trailer. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, I, uh, I'm i there with you, man. I'm guessing had you showed me a trailer of this, I still probably wouldn't have been able to guess where it went. <laughs> right? Yeah, probably not. Probably not. And poor Tetsuo, dude. He kills he kills the girl that he's been sweet for the entire, through the, like, the entire movie. He ends up, like, crushing her. Yeah, dude, <laughs> and, so brutal. Yeah, it's wild. And... He, that's about when he realizes like, oh, I don't really have control of what's happening. Yeah, that's when he's like, oh, I've lost control. But at that point, it's too late. Yeah, Uh, 100% is too late. How do you feel about the character of Akira as well? Because through this, I mean, the movie's titled Akira, but we haven't really talked about anybody named Akira. So you find out that Akira is, or was this kid who is kind of going through the same program. Mm -hmm. And then they just ran a whole bunch of tests and split the body apart and kept the body in different jars. Yeah. And cryo-froze it and under a factory somewhere. 
Uh, once again, didn't really make sense. I don't fully understand exactly what was that. I liked the other kids. 26, okay. 25, 26, 27, yeah, I think. Yeah, something like that. Um, the little blue baby The little elderlies. zombie looking kid. Yeah. And then the old lady little girl. Mm-hmm. And then the Professor X of the group, the little fat, little fat bowl cut. Yeah. Flying around in, in the his, wheelchair. In his floating wheelchair. Yeah. Uh so I liked I liked this idea of like there are these kids that have, you know, through testing they unlocked this like immense power, but they keep them medicated to tamp it down so that they don't go crazy and destroy the world and have the power, you know, take them over like it did to Akira and Tetsuo. Yeah. I thought that was really neat. Because yeah. there are these they're these old people. Yeah. They're elderly people trapped in the bodies of little children. Yeah. So I thought that was really neat. I don't, the Akira thing, I still don't really understand. Like I, I they think, chopped him up into all his different body parts and then he still destroyed the world or I think, he destroyed the world and then they did that. So or, like, I, I don't know. Yeah. I think that when he exploded, he turned into pure energy. I think that that's what they kind of said. Mm-hmm. And so there was talk that he could return, but his his body was left there. And so they didn't know what to do with the body, so they wanted to hide it from everything, or from the government, from the world, and then basically buried it. And then also, everybody in the world, like, some of them know about Akira, and then some of like most of them don't know about Akira, but like they talk as if people know about Akira. Yeah, I think L- like that's, it's. I think that that's like an Area Fifty One situation. Okay. Right. Like we know that Area Fifty One exists, but nobody actually knows what's in Area Fifty One. But there's a lot of people who are speculating that it's aliens and UFOs and spaceships and shit. Mm-hmm. All right. So with Akira, there's rumblings in the streets. There's people talking about Akira. But because the information of Akira has been suppressed, people are just making shit up. And with time, he kind of turns into this weird messianic figure for for people to wait for his return. Okay. You know, they, they hear that he's a being of pure energy. They start worshiping it. Mad Max style. Yeah, as you do. Yeah. And all of them die on a bridge because Tetsuo just absolutely destroys the bridge. <laughs> Fucking dummies. <laughs> That's what they get. Yeah. Tetsuo goes bad real quick. He turns evil real quick. Oh yeah, in this his film. turn is kind of hilarious cuz he's like just a normal kind of quiet kid. Yeah. And then all of a sudden he's just full evil and just <laughs> just like happy about it, just a full-on psycho. Yeah. Yeah. I I think that it's because he was so, I don't know, meek and weak. Yeah, that, as soon as he had power, yeah, he just was like, like "I'm not going to be that got, anymore." Got drunk on power and went yeah. evil with power immediately. Real, yeah, real quick. Um, yeah, that's uh, that's the gist of this film, guys. Like we we kind of talked about it. Um, I don't think it's something that we need to hash scene by scene. No, we couldn't. I wouldn't understand. I d- let's talk about the ending a little bit. Sure. Like, so. His power turns, he turns into pure energy, I guess. Basically, his power just goes berserk. So Akira comes back. Yeah. And 
basically takes him to wherever Akira is. Takes him with him. Kind of, well, and like that's what it seemed like to me anyway. But it made it seem like they, like the energy within him, mm-hmm. he created a new Big Bang. Yeah, basically. I think I, I don't. It's so confusing. I think they, that that is part of they it. They turn yeah. into this ball of light. And then it's something about like, oh, it's the be- is it the end of everything or the beginning of everything? Saying like, like my takeaway from it was, I think what they're trying to say is that this is at the same time the death of the universe, but also the beginning of the universe. This is the big like he has the power of the Big Bang within him, so he's doing that. Sure. So he just birthed a universe, and time is this site. Like this is just this is the flashpoint of when the universe is born. This is when the universe ended, and then this is when it was born. And somehow they contain... Like, I, don't, I don't know. You know who probably knows? Nobody. The guy who wrote it doesn't know. He was like, this seems <laughs> like this will keep them on their toes. This seems interesting. Nah, I, I, it's a bunch of bullshit. I think ChatGPT knows. Yeah, okay, yeah. Should ask, we ask ChatGPT? Ask ChatGPT. Okay, so dear ChatGPT, I hope that this is picking up the key. Hold on, I'll move the microphone. Please explain the ending of Akira. Okay, so according to ChatGPT, in the final moments of the film, Tetsuo's power becomes overwhelming, and it appears that he has lost all control over himself. As he grows larger and more unstable, he begins to absorb massive amounts of energy, ultimately leading to a cataclysmic explosion that consumes him. This explosion engulfs the entire stadium and appears to destroy both Tetsuo and Akira's containment unit. Um, the ending of Akira, in quotes, is highly symbolic and leaves many questions unanswered. Chat GPT doesn't even know. It suggests that the cyclical nature of power and destruction and the potential for rebirth or renewal. The film is known for its ambiguity and willingness to challenge viewers' understanding, and the ending is no exception. It leaves room for interpretation and reflection of the film's themes and power, responsibility, and the consequences of unchecked technological advancement. Okay, yeah, so ChatGPT agrees with me. It's all bullshit. Nobody has an answer because it's intentionally left to be fucking vague. So, ChatGPT, is it all bullshit? ChatGPT is thinking. Like, the dot's (laughs) not moving. I'm here to provide information and engage in meaningful conversations with you. If you have concerns or doubts about the accuracy of the information I provide, please feel free to ask specific dude, questions. Dude, ChatGPT is getting defensive <laughs> immediately. Like, dude, we're not questioning you, ChatGPT. We're saying his movie's bullshit. Ask uh, ChatGPT, what's the best episode of the Get Wrecked podcast? Uh, okay, yeah, sure. Uh, ChatGPT. What is the best episode of the Get Wrecked podcast? You know, it's not going to have it on here. Dude, don't say that. I'm well, gonna my feel my heart is gonna be broken. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask. It's not gonna have it on here, and I have a reason for that, but I I think Yeah, so it doesn't have access to information about specific podcast episodes. So it doesn't know. Also, most of Chat GPT, I think, if not all of it, is from information from 2011 prior. Oh, okay. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So, 
Um, I'll just tell Chat B- GPT that it's the Barry episode. <laughs> <laughs> it's the Barry episode. That's Chat a little GPT. inside baseball, folks, because uh, our worst numbers-wise, the worst episode we ever released <laughs> was our episode on Barry. So if you haven't listened to it, go listen to it. We talk about the HBO show Barry, starring Bill Hader, and it's very good. Yeah, and I feel like it was a pretty good episode. I would agree. It's an amazing show, and it's a good. It, it, I mean, I don't, I don't know. Maybe it just didn't hit. That's fine. Not all of them can be home runs, I guess. But some of them have got to be bunts. Yeah. But when you put in the effort for a home run and it turns out to be a bunt, ah, it gets frustrating. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, Thor, we are at the conclusion of this episode. So. Or is it the beginning? Oh, oh, that's, you know. It kind of because I mean, really, our whole show isn't it just a question about the dynamics of power and what that means? Yeah, and the dangers of technology and its advancement. Sure, yeah, that's yeah. always what I've said. This podcast is supposed to be about that's that's the highlight of my week is chatting <laughs> about all of those things. Yeah, yeah, and and then also consuming the world as I explode into a giant Yeah, just flesh really get my revenge on a goddamn world that has taken advantage of me and pushed me <laughs> around. I'm going to just, I have, if I had ultimate power, yeah. you mother, yeah, no. Uh, so we're doing ratings then? Yeah, so okay. um, we are going to rate Akira with, I mean, we got to do, let's see, how many movies referenced Akira here in the motorcycle slide? He said five. Five. Okay, let's just make it nice and easy. One to five Akira motorcycle slides. Uh, four. Four? Yeah. All right. Four out of five. Yeah. All right. That is much higher than I thought you were going to put it. It really is. I was really, really nervous. Yeah, I really... This is this is another one where it's like, I don't think this would be something I'd be re-watching a bunch. Yeah. Um, But for what it is, I mean, I think it's really well done. Obviously, sure. there's a reason it's at the level it is as far as, you know, anime classics. Yeah, I would agree. So, I mean, I, I, mean uh, I, I think it's really well done. I think it's a really interesting story. My main criticism is I didn't know what was going on half the fucking time. That's fair. Uh, which was a little bit annoying. It was also kind of intriguing. So I'm a little bit back and forth on that part. Um, <laughs> and, and it's a little bit slow. Like, it, you gotta it, really... I think this is the kind of thing I would like to get stoned and chill and watch this. Okay. Where I can just be like, oh, man, cool. I feel like I would be or terrified. I got, got some time to kill. Yeah, but, I feel like I'd be terrified if, if I were to do that. But yeah, so I have a few criticisms, but they're pretty minor. I think overall I, I enjoyed it. There wasn't any point where I was like, I want this to be over. Yeah. All right, well, good. Good. Well, there you have it, folks. Four out of five motorcycle slides... Um, what do you guys think? Have you seen Akira? I hope that you have. If you haven't, watch it. Oh, actually, where do we find this? I don't think that this is streaming anywhere. You gave me the physical DVD. Yeah, let me... Probably it's on Crunchyroll if you're an anime dweeb. Akira streaming. I say that with endearment because I am also an anime dweeb. Yeah, you can find it on Crunchyroll. Um, probably... It says it's on Hulu as well, but I don't know how true that is. You could probably rent it from Amazon. I doubt that it's going to be much if you do rent it. Yeah, it's, usually movies are four bucks to yeah, rent on Amazon. So. It's definitely worth the watch, in my opinion. If you are somebody who um, maybe is on the fence of anime, or maybe you just think anime is only My Hero Academia and Pokemon, um, give something like this a try, because it really elevates, I think, the genre. 
I think this is a good example oh, of sure. what good anime can be. You know what I'm curious about? Have you ever seen a movie called Heavy Metal? Yeah. From like the 80s, it's an animated mm-hmm. film. Okay, what do you think about that? Um, do you hate it because the animation's pretty like... It's pretty rough. It's pretty rough. Like, kind of rough and stiff. it's from like the early 80s, late 70s. Yeah, I, I don't... To be honest, I don't remember much of the content of it. But I remember okay. not loving... Well... I say not loving the animation. I haven't watched it since I was like a kid. Oh, man. I think we should watch that. We might sometime. need to. Okay. I'll, I'll add it to the list. If you okay. don't really remember it, I think it's a worth worth going back and Yeah. I don't it. really rem- I remember there's lots of busty women. Oh, yeah. There's a <laughs> lot of animated tits. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. Let us know what you think if you haven't seen it. Uh, especially, we do have some listeners in Japan. So, if you guys have any good anime recommendations, send them our way. I don't know if Thor will be excited, but I'll take a watch and then I'll give it to <laughs> Thor. <laughs> so, if you recommend it, I'll watch it, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, with that being said, Thor, next week, what's the game plan? Well, Mike, as you know, next week, mm-hmm. uh, the episode will premiere on Tuesday, October 31st. Oh. I'm not sure if you're aware of this. October 31st is Halloween. Uh, you know, I forgot. The... The day when the when the uh, the the veil between our world and the spirit world is at its most thin, so it's a great time for spooky, scary stuff. Oh, jeez. Okay. So I know you fucking hate horror movies. I hate them. I, I legitimately do not care for horror movies. So we're gonna watch a horror movie <laughs> because it is Halloween. I guess that makes sense. And uh, our friend uh, Zach, I am DZ Bolton who is just a huge movie buff, but really especially loves horror movies. He loves horror movies to such a weird degree. (laughs) Such a weird degree. He's going to join us because there's a horror movie that I think you won't hate. Okay. Uh, And it is called Hereditary. Because I I also do not like horror movies for the most part. And for me, it's not like they they gross me out or I'm scared. It's nothing like that. They just generally don't do anything for me sure uh so i there's a few here and there that i like um i hereditary hands down my favorite horror movie Hmm. okay because it's more of a psychological thriller i guess okay it's more psychologically weird than it's it's not like a slasher flick there's not a lot of blood and gore okay Maybe I'll um, like it then. Maybe it, it's more just creepy okay. than anything. I do like psychological stuff. Um and I think and I think it has some really good performances in it as well. Okay. All right. Maybe it'll be good. It, the guy who directed it, I believe, wrote and directed it. I'm not sure. Um, but the guy who created it, I believe, is a pretty uh I'll have more information on it next week. Sure. Um but I believe it's somebody who's kind of has a specific style that they're pretty known for. Oh, okay. Um, so we'll get we'll get into all that, and I'm sure Zach has, you know, whatever movie he always has all the information on it. Yeah, so, he um, he is he's so in love with horror movies. So he starts watching horror movies in like the beginning of August, and he's like, "All right, guys, it's Halloween season. I'm going to watch a horror movie every day." Yeah, like, dude. Yeah, literally every single day he's like, he'll make a post of like, "This is what I'm watching today." Yeah, I f- I feel like he's just sifting through all the horror movies to find a good one. That's what <laughs> I feel like he's doing. Yeah, so I'm recommending Hereditary to you next week. I think you're not going to hate it. 
That's okay. my hope. Okay. Because I don't actively want to give you stuff you hate most of the time. Sometimes I know you will, but yeah. I don't think you'll actively hate this. That That's my hope. If we come out, if I come out with a rating of like 20% or higher, I'll be happy with it. <laughs> okay. So. If it's worth a conversation, then by all means recommend it, right? Like if you feel like it's going to facilitate a good conversation. If, if it's something where I'm like, I don't know why you gave this to me. There's nothing that I like about it. There's no redeeming qualities. Then, yeah, sure, don't recommend I'll it. I think you'll but- like it. It's definitely the subject. There are certain parts of the subject material that are real fucking heavy. No. So just be prepared. There's like some real dark shit going on in the movie. <laughs> um, okay. But I think it's good. I think you'll like it. All right. I think you'll not hate it. That's... All that's right. my bar for horror movies with you, is that you won't just actively hate it. Yeah, that's a good bar to reach. Maybe I won't hate it, folks. <laughs> so next week, we are getting into Hereditary. For a very spooky episode of Get Wrecked. Get Wrecked in the holiday season. Ooh, <laughs> spooky. That's right. So, until next time, folks. As always. You get wrecked out there. Stay wrecked. <laughs> oh, I kind of actually felt like I did like a Santa Claus thing. Though. Oh yeah, he's scary. <laughs> <laughs>